Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, a quality hangout in podcast form with your simulated best friends, Josh and Dennis. Okay, so it goes like this. What is that? That's isn't that Jethro Tull? Oh god, I hate that fucking song. I don't, you used to really like it. When? Back in high school, when you used to try to convince me you saw them play and you saw the singer playing with himself while he was playing the flute. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that wasn't me. You know that wasn't me. And go to hell. Hey everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dennis. <laughs> and I'm Josh. And in this world of uh, alternative facts, people are going to remember that now. They're going to remember the fact that I said that and not the... the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that story belongs to. I do. Oh, man. Now I hate you even more. Uh, so, uh... Yo, this is episode five. Is it? Well, yeah, if you count episode zero. No, it, we don't count episode zero, though, man. Come on. I count This it. is episode four. But this is the fifth episode we're recording. <sighs> you're ruining it. I'm just... You're, I you're just confusing the, all just, of the listeners right now. It It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm really proud of you. Of me? I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. Couple of proud boys. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag proud boys. We should use that on social media. What Wait, is that not? Is that is that not okay? I would rather not be associated with that movement. <laughs> Fair enough. Yo. Yo. Josh, this is the music episode. It is. We're gonna talk about some rock. I was gonna. I was. I was thinking. So, I paused right there because I was thinking mm. about what cool music I could cut in. <laughs> like, Long live rock. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll just steal a promo from like MMR or something. <laughs> See again. You're gonna keep making these specific <laughs> radio station references that everybody is not going to get. You don't want Debella suing you. <laughs> oh, by the way, um. I brought our friend Alan to talk with us. Hello. Hi, Alan. What's going on, Josh? Not much. I'm recording a podcast with you. Oh, hey, what's up, Dennis? Dennis is our special guest. Hey, Alan. I'm all up in your house's guts. Yeah, sorry he couldn't be in Seattle, but, you know, it's smoky there. (laughs) It is. Your weather is smoke. (laughs) Yeah, that that hasn't changed. We actually talked about that on the last episode. Speaking of music, that sounds like the worst Wolves in the Throne Room song. <laughs> Your weather is smoke. <laughs> so, Alan is a friend of ours, also a, uh, a podcast Fellow titan. Fellow podcaster. Yeah, titan. Podcast veteran. From, yeah, taught us a thing or two about starting our own podcast, and we didn't listen to a word he said. You listen to a couple words. I see the outlines. A couple words. Uh, Alan does Werewolf Ambulance. Werewolf Ambulance, and a, which is a horror movie podcast. 
uh, where me and the amazingly funny Katie, my podcasting partner, uh, talk about horror movies. Were you about to say Podner? No. Okay. Uh, though I do, I do love a portmanteau. Hmm. Um, she, uh, yeah, each week we pick a specific horror movie to talk about. Josh has been a guest on that podcast. I have. Ooh. Where we did Neon Maniacs. And uh, I do a Marvel comic books podcast with two maniacs named John and Joseph, where I am the moderator of the two of them, uh, trying to figure out if a character sucks or not for Marvel, basically. Oh. One guy loves it. The other one goes, eh. <laughs> is that every week? Every week. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and that one is called Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Marveling at Marvel's Alan Marvels. Didn't say. At which they, yeah. they let me call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I've named two podcasts, mm-hmm. Werewolf Ambulance and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. You do a good job. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a skilled namesmith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't take your suggested name for this one, Talking Shit. <laughs> but hey, two out of three ain't bad. Couple of buds. Where you sometimes talk about weed, too. <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, our friend's mom suggested we name the podcast Bad Attitude. <laughs> Not Batitude? Hold on, Alan. Hold on. Because this is a little bit of alternative history that Josh is presenting. It wasn't the podcast. It was our high school band. And it wasn't Bad Attitude. It was Bad Excuses. And she thought it was the oh. most clever thing she had ever come up with. Uh, do you want to hear the worst band name of any band that I was ever, or, or attempted band name of any band that I was ever a part yes, of? Yes, please. I, I mean, I was in some bands with some some heroic names like Miles to Failure, and numbers are neutral. Uh, and the band Sky Pilot that I was in, the drummer wanted to call it Hemingway Shotgun. Oh, brother. Because, Ooh. you know... You know why. <laughs> Google it if you don't know why. <laughs> it's pretty edgy. Uh, one of the bands that I was in, uh, somebody wanted to name it uh, Prisoners of Ultra Love. <laughs> <laughs> and we settled on Pet Milk. So uh-huh, there you uh-huh. go. Yeah. My first band was called Watergate. Edgy. Yeah, <laughs> very political. Well, wow. that was when you started playing music in the late deeply 70s. political. <laughs> when I was when I wrote for the Washington Times, it was in a band. <laughs> Singer was a guy named Deep Throat. Oh, man, but yeah, I'm sorry. Get back into what we're doing here. Yeah, so it's uh, but it's great that we're having you on for the music episode because that's how we know you. Having we've known each other for fifteen years. Uh, I moved to Philly in two thousand one. We probably met in late two thousand one, early two thousand two. So fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. and mainly because we mm-hmm. have been in bands that have played together. Yeah, and through mutual friends in the punk scene. Mm. You guys remember that? The what? <laughs> the punk scene? I don't. You would do your mash and dancing. The only thing I remember about us playing shows together is uh, swimming in a quarry together while we were on tour in Indiana. (laughs) Oh, bad. I remember playing a show in Indiana and farting so bad that half the audience left while we were playing. Yeah, that was that tour. I'm blaming it on the farts. Uh, It was definitely because of the farts, because I was tearing it up. And you were tearing it up in a different way. (laughs) 
one of the worst things I'd smelled in my life up until that point. Yeah, I had a sickness. Had. I, th- I think the way my brain felt was starting to, like, poison my body as well. So. Oh. You had doo-doo brain. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, Alan and I were in the band together. We were. Uh, Mount Erebus, if uh, I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, post-rock. Oh, post-rock jams. Is that yeah, what yeah. they call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. We yeah. had fun. Played some shows. <sighs> we partied. <laughs> oh yeah oh we really mm, <clears throat> partied hardy um definitely hard partiers yeah so i think part of what we wanted to talk about today was kind of like you know what got us into what we got in what kind of music we got into when we started getting into music and what we're into now and how that's kind of changed and i i think music has been a very central point of all of our lives you know i think we're all people who have deeply identified with the stuff we were into as youngsters, and it really helped form who we are now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe also leads to some of the existential angst we have as we kind of aged out of those scenes that we were so heavily involved in. I mean, you could say that music is a dancer. <laughs> hmm. But would <laughs> Take you? Off your shoes and pantser. <laughs> I'm not going to go on the record and say that. (laughs) So, Josh, start us off. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I think I first started buying cassette tapes as a youngster. I think I I started off in middle school was when I, I first started really buying my own music. And I was really into BET's Rap City. So I bought a lot of stuff that I saw on there. So I started off with like Slick Rick, I think was like one of the very first tapes that I bought. Uh, Public Enemy was really big for me. And then, yeah, I kind of went on that track for a little while until I met Dennis. As we discussed in our our Zero episode. Hmm. You kind of broadened my horizons a bit. Is that true? You've never said this before. I think so. I don't think I was listening to stuff like The Cure and everything before you. So. Yo, look at me. <laughs> That's funny that your first tape was Slick Rick, because the first tape that I purchased with my own money that I can remember was David Lee Roth's Eat Him and Smile. So okay. I think those are like the most opposites. <laughs> I, I, I will, are they? <laughs> maybe. I will Alan? throw uh, the first Mr. Mr. record oh. as the first cassette that I bought of my own volition. Wow. Yeah. Kind of set the tone for where I am today. Yeah, totally. You love a light. You love a light rock. <laughs> um, I'm constantly getting people trying to take these broken wigs. <laughs> oh, so bad. <laughs> I was also so excited about the David Lee Roth tape because it was clear. Because up up until that point in the later '80s, not maybe that probably wasn't the first one, but you know, most of the tapes were like that solid white. Sure, sure, sure. And sure, this sure. one was clear, and I was like. Whoa, it is the future. And it had that, like, gray paper in it, mm-hmm. so you could see the text yeah, printed yeah. in white on the... Yeah, yeah. It's a hot jam. Oh, oh, yeah. There's so many good songs on that record. Uh, name three. All right. Uh, Eat Him and Smile. Uh-huh. That song, Eat Him and Smile, that we all know. Eat Them with <laughs> Smiling. Uh, how does that one go, Dennis? <laughs> Can you just give yeah. us the chorus of that one? Wow, yeah! Woo! 
You know, it's a t- typical David Lee Ralph song. <laughs> that's that's the album that he also no uh, crazy from the heat. I have where he recorded the entire album in phonetic sp- uh, Spanish as well. Wow, it's fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the man is a fucking lunatic. Crazy from the Heat is my favorite, by the way. Yeah, I mean... Just a gigolo? Gigolo. You cannot... I have practiced the homo libibla zibla bubla homo libibla zibla bop part over and over again. <laughs> I'm a big Diamond Dave fan. <laughs> I, I never got into him because when I was a kid, I had I was a weird kid as I'm a weird adult. And I had this thing where, like, I saw certain things, certain forms of media as for adults. And I was like, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> so I just never got into David Lee Roth because clearly he was for adults. What about Van Halen, though? Same. Oh, really? I felt like they were for adults. Oh, yeah, man, those, those early Van Halen records are so goddamn good. Yeah, but adults were into some sexy stuff, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It was why I read Cracked instead of Mad Magazine. Yeah, Cracked was definitely for... I was with you on that one. Cracked was definitely for kids. Yeah, I mean, it's why I read We rather than Penthouse. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm a little older than you guys. I should mention that. Yeah. Do we have to? We just did. It's funny that you say I got you into The Cure because my cousins all got me into, like, alternative, alternative music at the time. And they were listening to stuff that I was just like, all right, this isn't classic rock, but I'll, I'm into it. And it stuck. I think we called it postmodern music at the time. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I was a when I was a teenager, they were all going to see New Order, which was like a huge deal. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, they didn't invite me. Oh no! And I was pretty bummed, but I don't think they knew how much Aww. I was into the music they were into. And a couple of them were older. I grew up with like two cousins that were like my age and two older cousins. Yeah. And we definitely just like followed our older cousins' lead. And yeah, so when they were all gonna go, I was like, Oh, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not into New Order. But I never actually was like, Hey, I'm into the music you guys are. I was just kinda doing my own thing, so I can't really blame them. I still hate them to this day though. Just kidding. <laughs> so where did that uh so that the those first tapes, where did that like so your journey, Josh, was Dennis introducing you to that next uh, echelon, that next level of your musical interest. Yeah. Like for me, it went from, uh, yeah, I grew up in the suburbs of Delaware. I feel like that's mildly important to say because I went from like stuff I was seeing on MTV, like early MTV and hearing on like rock radio, like heart and stuff like that. Mm. And, and then I went right into like hair metal and then from there to like thrash and then, then into punk out of that stuff. A little bit of grunge, a little bit of grunge thrown mm. in. So how 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 did that mm-hmm. go for yeah. you? And then like I was introduced to stuff like The Cure and Tori Amos and stuff from from girlfriends in high school. Mm. I'm that corny dude. It's okay. You gotta get <laughs> gotta get your info from somewhere. I remember my girlfriend in high school giving me Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. Wow. And then breaking up with me. So that was just like, oh, you just gave me a soundtrack to this breakup. Dope. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, I remember getting into, so, always into classic rock. My dad and my stepfather were all totally, like, into classic rock, Led Zeppelin, The Who, like, all that stuff. And then in high, in kind of in, like, middle school, high school, I was really into The Who. And looking back, I was like, the Rolling Stones always seem, like, too commercial for me. 
Which is so stupid because it's like the Who right, the, was like those underground warriors yeah, of the Who. The Who was all, always like the emo classic rock band to like the Rolling Stones like way overtly macho classic rock band. This is I have a I have a dumb my brain's not smart. Um, but uh, at some point, yeah, because through my cousins just getting into basically anything they played on MTV's 120 Minutes when they played videos, and that was sure. great. And yeah, we used to tape it. Oh yeah. We would take turns taping it and watch it. We would trade the tapes and watch them, like, endlessly. Every Monday, we would show up to school with a tape. Like, hey, here's this one. Give me last week's. I want to watch it again. I own, or at some point owned, a tape by the band Possum Dixon. I own a tape by the band Dada. <laughs> the Toadies? Please tell me the Toadies. Are uh, no, that was a little little no, later on. Okay. Um, What else? That's how I got into Weezer eventually, but that was a little later. Toad the Wet Sprocket? No. <clears throat> what? Get out. Oh, man. Toad the Wet Sprocket had some jams. Um, but getting to The Cure and then starting to get a little sad in, hi- in high school, that really just clicked. And mm. uh, the Disintegration was the soundtrack to every depressive episode slash whatever sad boy shit I was into from... The age of 13 until... How old am I now? Say, like, 37. I haven't listened to it all the way through in a couple of years. Things okay. are going to go right. That, that, that record for me, personally, was... I got it around the same time that I started playing guitar. So I was, like, 16. It would have been, what, like... Uh, 90? 89, mm-hmm. 90? Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, the sadness soundtrack. And then how dense musically that record is there's like 13 guitar tracks on some of the songs and just these mm. so layered and it was like oh i need to learn how to do that need to learn how to figure that stuff out you know like i always thought it was really funny that all of their records on the inside there was like uh, this was meant to be played loud so turn it up and i'm like what what are you talking about this yeah. isn't turn it up music and then it was like oh actually it kind of is which, which made sense because this was like the height of the Walkman. So this was, like, music became so hyper-personal on that level. Like, you were just, like, it was in your ears. It wasn't on the stereo. It's just, like, so you could turn it up and get all of those, like, the panning that goes on and stuff. Like, just really fascinating. What's the name? Uh, we should um, kick in the first track right here. I wish we had a DJ. Bam. So, but, a banger. But the thing that to- <laughs> remix. <laughs> All right, get it out. I wish I had my sound effects app. <clears throat> anyway, um, but in high school, getting into grunge. See, you said you only got a little into grunge. Man, I went fucking yeah. head first. We I I was pretty deep into it, but it was like a two year window before I went like so deep into punk rock that like I couldn't listen to stuff on major labels anymore mm. so yeah I don't know love Pearl Jam for a while sure and then Josh and I got into Alice in Chains and Soundgarden oh yeah and then you start getting into Mud Hutting and Green River and I had definitely had Green River tape didn't get Malfunction which was the other band that the dude from Mother Love Bone was mm-hmm. in. Sure. Who all the, band, who all the guys from 
Temple of the Dog were in. With all the makeup, right? They were like a lot of makeup in that band, didn't they? It was like kind of clammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Definitely got into some Mother Love Bone, though. Ugh. Oof. It's a rough customer. And I remember Josh and I, we were like 16, 17, maybe like 15, 16. And you're like, oh man, this movie just came out and it's about grunge music. That's for us. Never actually watching the trailer, but we, so we went to go see singles with our friend Randy. <laughs> And at some point, Randy just turned and said something to the effect... I don't have the exact quote, but... What the fuck did you guys bring me to? <laughs> we basically, basically brought him to a romantic comedy. Now, Josh... Not you, basically. <laughs> you would 100% did that. <laughs> Josh, do you think he was more upset that we brought him to a romantic comedy or that you brought him to a Chinese restaurant that had vegan options? No, that was completely vegan. Oh, that was... Sorry, yeah. that was completely... When you said that, I pictured his face... That time that we, I took him to an all-vegan Chinese restaurant, he was deeply upset. Mm. <laughs> but to his credit, to his credit, he changed his attitude uh, when he was really, really broke, and I came over his house and made him tacos. This is at the time when he was so broke, he wasn't turning any lights on in his house to save money on electricity. Mm. And he, he changed Smart. his mind, so thank you, Randy. I know you're not listening to this, but... <laughs> Maybe one day he will. But I thought he only would eat white rice when you took him to the vegan restaurant. I think so, yeah. In Which protest. It's like the most vegan thing there. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like... Uh, yeah, so really into grunge, got into all those bands, and then I don't know what happened after that. How did well, you guys find punk? See, I... I jump in. Concurrently to this, I was also kind of getting into heavier music, because I, I think, like, I... Also really liked, I think before Dennis, I was into stuff like Living Color and Faith No More. And because of that, I was also interested in kind of heavier stuff. So I was kind of getting into Danzig too, which Dennis didn't really get into too much. Um, and I was watching Headbangers Ball in addition to 120 Minutes and kind of getting stuff off of that. So for me, I think like my intro- introduction to punk was twofold. One, it was like getting... I think Fugazi, a Fugazi tape from Dennis's cousins. Um, And it was sort of like I reverse engineered a lot of bands back to their roots. So Mm -hmm. I got into, I think I was into like Rollins band. I was into Danzig. I was in a late era suicidal tendencies and Fugazi and then went back on all of those bands. I got into, you know, like Black Flag and Misfits and early suicidal tendencies and Minor Threat. And I think those were like some of the really foundational bands for us in high school yeah i was gonna say at at that time like i was so into reading liner notes to determine like who was in what band and and sure and just trying to figure out what bands they used to be in and yeah so getting into like black flag from even seeing pictures of the bands and like what t-shirts they're wearing like i definitely (laughs) bought a corrosion of conformity tape because kim thale from soundgarden was wearing his corrosion Mm. of conformity shirt all the time i can remember getting i got into like so I went from hair metal, and by the time I was in, like, eighth grade, I was really into thrash and speed metal. And then the 598 EP, Garage Days, Metallica, Ooh. came out. Ooh, yeah. And, like, there's Misfits covers on there, and Killing Joke, and Budgie, and, and it was like, all right, so what's this? And, like, you know, Cliff Burton always wore the Misfits t-shirt, and, uh, um, and like, then Sepultura wearing, like, Discharge and stuff like that, or Anti-Nowhere League, and you're like, okay what's going on with these things like start researching that and then i had a bunch of friends in high school 
who became born again. Mm. And they wanted to get rid of all their secular music. And they were like, do you want our tapes? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. And it was just Cro-Mags, uh, Crucial Unit, or Crucial Youth. Um, and then that turned me on to stuff like Minor Threat and Youth of the Day and all that stuff. Like, those bands wearing t-shirts and a lot of the crossover stuff like DRI and Cryptic Slaughter and all that stuff were like played on metal, like the college radio metal station. Mm -hmm. And that would get me into that. So that was really like, that was my main introduction to that stuff. I was never into, I remember now that we're talking about this, when I was in fourth grade, so I would have been like 10 or nine, a kid was listening to a Metallica tape and he was like letting all of us listen to it. And I remember being like, what what is this this is awful <laughs> this is garbage music and so never not getting into metal for a really long time and then even into like high school when our friends were into iron maiden and i was like what this is so silly like they're singing about history and like what is that voice and just thinking oh, it was goofy. It was so smart for me when I was a kid because I was such a dumb kid. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> fast forward like fifteen years and I think it's some of the greatest stuff ever. But at the time, I just couldn't get into it. Well, yeah, and I, I think where we were coming from, the stuff we were listening to was very artsy, almost kind of pretentious stuff. So it was like the the antithesis of what we perceived Iron Maiden as. You know, like this kind of silly music with the mm. guy singing in operatic fashion while well, as we were listening to like very dark people like very right. dark songs like people paying taking themselves very seriously you know so yeah that was definitely a thing like i i think i actually got into iron maiden when i was like 18 mm -hmm. ironically i like got the best of the beast tape and it was sort of like oh this is silly and then i just listened to it i had it in my car and listened to it all the time and then after about six months of that, I'm like, fuck, this is actually brilliant. And, like, Maiden are one of my favorite bands ever now. Yeah. You had a similar journey with uh, King Diamond, if I remember, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, you know, got into King Diamond because it was so silly to me. And then yeah. I had, I, I specifically remember waking up one night, and I had a five-disc CD changer. And at night, I would just, you know, set the CDs on. And I think it might have been uh, The Spider's Lullaby by King Diamond that i oh, had nice. uh and i woke up in the middle of the night and that record was playing and there was like just a sick guitar riff and i was just like fuck this is really good music <laughs> and yeah from there like i like a switch was flipped and i'm like no i i legitimately like this stuff now like so in college josh and i had a radio sh uh radio show and that was like when we really started getting into punk and ska yeah. and had a very like yes <laughs> And this would have been what years? 96? Uh, like 95? Well, we, yeah, we didn't get on the yeah. air until 96. There was a lot of crossover in the punk and oh, yeah. ska scene mm -hmm. at that point, too. A lot of, like, ska punk. Oh, bands. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, so we had a very, you know, if you listen to it now, it'd be like, oh, this is very, like, regular. Like, playing some Rancid, playing some Black Flag, mm. playing some Minor Threat, playing some specials. But then... Much to my chagrin, Josh started getting into a lot of grindcore, uh, a lot of death metal. And much to Josh's chagrin, I started mm -hmm. getting into a lot of emo and very sad music. Def like, not 
policy of three emo. No, more like purposely... Like promise ring emo. Yeah, pro- like yeah. more jangly, more like... Yeah. Corny, poetic, not like heavy. Like when when emo very profoundly yes. drops right. the core from their yeah, name. Yeah, a lot of promise ring. Uh, Rain and Maria yeah. loved them. Yeah. Uh, Mineral, Sunny Day Real Estate. Whereas... Go ahead, Josh. I was playing, I think, Asok's Misery Index in its entirety on the radio station every episode. Uh, that's cool. It only took you 22 minutes to get through it, so... <laughs> uh, no, it's it's 14 oh, minutes okay. and 30 seconds, yeah. I believe, so... <laughs> but at the time, I, I hated everything you played. I think part of it was... Yeah, and I hated everything you played. <laughs> I think part of it was just like... I don't know. It was too much. I couldn't handle it. And then also, I just... So I didn't yeah. even want to listen to it. I was just like, this is bullshit. And then I mm-hmm. think I broke your brain the day that I was like, you know, I think I like that Monster X song. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I thought you I thought you were going to cry. Well, at least you went to the, like, the top echelon yeah, yeah. of that, oh. that, that genre, yeah. I, I, was the, I was the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of you 2 Because I was listening to like, His Hero is Gone and Rainer Maria at the same time. Like, yeah. But I had these mixtapes <laughs> and you're just like... We'll go from promise ring into like some like youth crew hardcore into zero's gone. Oh, for sure. The fuck wants to listen to this garbage that I'm doing right now? Oh, me. That that was me. (laughs) So at this point, uh, I think Dennis and I had already been in two bands that never went past somebody's basement, really. Um, Mm. Yeah, then we got into a band. When did we start The Great Clearing Off? 1999? I think we started practicing around like 98 and didn't play a show until 2000 yeah something like that yeah sometimes i think how did we practice so long and not get better for years it took years we kind of took a three-year band's career and expanded it over like 10 years i think mm-hmm. yeah i think so <laughs> and then by and then by the time we played our first show, Alan had already been in, like, five or six successful bands. Oh, successful is a stretch for what I've done. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, we put out records and stuff, but, like, uh, do, do, do Google and searches for those bands, and you're not finding anything. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, I, I uh, the, the, one of the craziest experiences of my life was I was in a band in 1995 to, like, 97... With and the emoist of emo bands, like our seven inch was like tied with yarn and hand screened, mm-hmm. and uh, we were called Eldritch Anaset. Oh, I'm always meant to ask you what that's from. Um, I really liked those two words, so I smashed them together. And there you go. Once again, great at naming things. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but we we recorded a seven inch and like some other songs, and maybe like three or four years ago, I get a message from somebody that was, "Have you seen this?" And it's a YouTube clip of a group of Japanese college kids playing the songs off that 7-inch in, you know, 2012 or whatever. From 1995 when we recorded, or 96 when we recorded it, to 2012, like, it traveled around the world. Because of the internet and because of downloading and stuff, but it was just like, oh, I I did a thing. I did a thing that kind of mattered somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. That's amazing, yeah. And I think that was my whole point of being in a band is like my bar of success was like just being able to reach somebody like that. I think like just yeah. making something that somebody out there connected with because that's what music was for me 
from like day one like when i started buying my own music and stuff it was i i was finding like-minded people out in the world it felt like you know that's it's it was you know just just knowing that somebody else outside of my shitty town that i lived in was going through things that i felt and that they managed to escape whatever they were from like and are doing this thing like that was what i wanted to do in a band and i don't know if we ever did Mm -hmm. that (laughs) we touched a dozen people in philadelphia for a few years that is a sentence that can be taken out of context very easily (laughs) (laughs) yeah i meant touched like emotionally that's not any better (laughs) we, we connected with there you go thank you touched emotionally is bad Damn it. But, Just saying. Oh, how many weird things have I said? <laughs> like, since day one? Uh, <laughs> let's not start counting now. But, yeah, that, that time when we were playing shows all the time in Philly was just very important to me because it was, you know, when we got to know Alan really well and, you know, our bands would play together and... Yeah, it, when, I was, when I was in Virginia Black Lung and then Fighting Dogs, mm-hmm. which you were later in, Dennis... I was. I took your spot. Yeah, yeah, you did. And you did it better than I did. No, stop. Ah, oh, come on. A little bit. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a very interesting experience for me to be in that band because it went from the very loosey-goosey, like, a bunch of kids getting together, not knowing how to play their instruments. Of a ragtag group of kids, if you will. <laughs> yeah, the great cl- that the great clearing <laughs> off was that the band Josh and I were in to, like, playing with people who were... I don't know, like, practice way more than I ever did. Two of the best musicians I've ever played with, John and Todd and Fighting Dogs, were unreal. Yeah, and then when I jo- after I joined, we had um, Jess from 1905 join, and it was just like, yeah. oh, so now with these, like, two people that play their instruments, like, insanely well, and then this person who knows how to sing, like... Oh, serious singer, and right. it's like yeah, oh. trained. The, every every practice, I was just like, "What am I doing here? What am I doing here?" <laughs> uh, imposter syndrome is a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, it oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, Alan, how 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 do you feel about the fact that there was a period of time where every band that you played in, I would just go and stand in front of you and cry at all of your shows? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was doing exactly what I was meant to do. But that's yeah, the thing yeah. of emo- emotionally connecting with someone. Yeah, without you know, a doubt. Even if it was close friends, like you know, um, you know, with a black lung, I don't, th- I don't think that Fighting Dogs so much had that effect on people. We weren't a super emotional band, but then like the band Belagos that I was in, which I'm very one of the proudest like bands, like proudest I am to have been in a band. I think we accomplished some really beautiful music writing in that band. But yeah, yeah, you cried a lot at shows. I did too. Yeah. It's, we'll throw our friend Jim in on that too, who ended up in crying dog piles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never shared my. It was, like that. <laughs> it was it was an important time for me. I was going through some shit like very yeah. intensely at the time, and I think playing in a band and going and seeing my friends' bands and having such an emotional connection was very cathartic for me. And it you know mm-hmm. it got me through some really rough times. You know just being able to do that go out there and scream along to these songs and just lose my mind like it helped carry me through it so it's for sure yeah i i think i spent a lot of time playing in like what i think of as like conventional emo bands like the the like first wave of emo type stuff that we were aping we were definitely not at that time period but like 
And, you know, I, I broke the headstock of a guitar off, throwing it into a wall, crying about my dad at a show. That's ridiculous. But it helped me get to a place where mm-hmm. I could process that stuff. And it yeah. was, I mean, like, if I walked into a show and saw that, I'd be like, well, I'm leaving. But, like, right, right. at the time, <laughs> at the time, it was, like, socially acceptable to be a total doofus and do that stuff. But, oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, to some people, I, you know, some people definitely were like, oh, but, you know, and it was still like that, you know, that whole scene was about, it was all about me. It was all about the me of whoever was doing right. that thing. It wasn't like, but, yeah. But, yeah, it was really interesting to have been a part of something like that. And then since since those bands you were in, after Fighting Dogs, you were in Belagost. Yeah. Um, Mount Erebus with you. Kind of like uh, Belagost was a really intense instrumental band. Yeah, we, we really wanted to combine, like, Neurosis and... Godspeed you but Black Emperor had probably never hit either of those things accurately, but like I think we got a good mix of something mm-hmm. there. I would say so. Yeah. Post rock, the kids call it. Yeah. They love it. Are you playing any music now? Um I mean I no. I, I was in a band when I moved to Pittsburgh, like ten years ago, for a few years called Anadrim, where we were doing heavy indie rock, maybe. Okay. Uh but that just sort of it, you know, went the way of a lot of these bands too. And where it became more like poker night with your friends with guitars rather than and uh Mm -hmm. and you know we didn't we you know we couldn't tour and stuff and so it just kind of went away which is fine and then podcasting actually replaced that need for me it replaced that 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 itch to be scratched it's funny that you say that because that's part of the reason that i'm doing this because i've been thinking about playing music but god it's such a time-consuming Sure. Hobby, interest, whatever you want to call it. Time and cash. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, this is cheaper-ish. Plus, I got to the point where I did... Uh, in, um, I was in one band. I played music a little bit in California when I lived there. And then when I moved back to Philly, I was in two bands. Like an indie rock band, Pet Milk. Mm. And then kind of a hardcore band, Pink Coffins. And then it was like... I was, like, knee-deep in grad school. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I stopped playing for a couple years, and I was like, ah, I like having my weekends free and not sleeping on somebody's floor in the middle of nowhere. So I kind of sold all my stuff, which is a very, like, late 30s thing to do, but... And, Josh, you had, like, a pretty definite break with punk rock, didn't you? Like, where you just moved away from it? Kind of. I I mean, I I quit it publicly, so... (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the last tour that Great Clearing Off did, it was like a month-long U.S. tour where half of the shows fell through, a quarter of the shows that we did play were awful, and maybe about a quarter of them were decent. Just kind of ruined it for me. You know, we, I, was, I was going through some very serious depression at the time. I think, like, most of the time we weren't playing shows or loading in and out. I was hiding in the van and reading books with headphones on up in our loft, which was Dennis's base cabinet. Um, it was a comfy and, bed. Yeah, it, it was comfy. But yeah, by the end of that, you know, I, I just got very tired of playing shows and, you know, looking at this thing that I, I'd really believed in, this kind of like DIY scene and seeing playing shows that were super packed and the kid at the door would, at the very end of the show, after half the people had left, like walk around with a hat, like, hey, if you want to pitch something in, you know, like, hmm. and we weren't trying to make a living or anything off of it. We just wanted to get gas money so that we could break even. Right. And, you know, just seeing like kids holding 
40 bottles being like, oh, no, we don't have any money. Joke, joke. You know, like, I, it just, I became very disillusioned. And this shows that people, they actually did charge at the door, and they still didn't give us anything, but then we're like, all right, I'm going to head over to the bar. And like, who, why are you spending all this money on yourself? But we actually, none of us, <laughs> none of us were, uh, how you would say, uh, go-getters. And didn't, <laughs> and didn't say anything to, to that guy. But it is what it is. But yeah, I think, yeah, after great clearing off, uh, we broke up not too much long after played our last show. And this is kind of a period when I was probably at my most depressed. I did try to, to sing for a band uh, called Stations that Dennis joined after I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing that briefly, but yeah, my heart just kind of wasn't in it. And that was the last thing I did as far as music goes. Like, I've tried to learn how to play guitar a few times after that um, because I, you know, have only ever screamed in bands, and that's pretty limiting now for me because I wanted to make music, but never really stuck with it. So, but yeah, I think I do kind of have a similar feeling about starting a podcast and getting the same kind of feeling of, you know, connecting with people in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to, uh, to see how that works, especially when you were in bands that nobody gave a shit about on some level where like, I remember like giving away seven inches. Cause I was just like, I don't want these in my house anymore. So <laughs> you can have these. Yeah. And, like, now, like, you know, every time a new episode drops, I can go online and be like, a thousand people just listen to this. Like, that's, it's so, like, you know, and it feeds that, like, that narcissistic, like, oh, sure. little little bump you get in the back of the brain. And just like, oh, ha-ha, all right. Like, it, it's, it's pretty nice. Like, and it's just, you know, and now with social media combined with that, which we didn't have too much of when yeah. there's, like, what, MySpace or Friendster or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like... You get communities build up around everything now, and it's really interesting to see that go. Like even my podcast, that you know we have a few thousand people listening, and there's communities that are growing up around that, and people that are like getting in touch with us and then talking to each other, which is really crazy. And it's it feels like DIY punk on some level for that. And I hate when anything is like, oh yeah, Mozart totally punk rock, man. You know, like <laughs> that thing. But this feels like. It's it's the grab a guitar, you don't know how to play, beat the shit out of it, and go. Yeah, I think, and I, I don't know a lot about Bandcamp, but I feel like that's really helping people. Kind of where MySpace kind of scratched that itch for people when they started having the music players on the pages. I think now Bandcamp is taking that to the next level, where it's like, sure. oh, we could just we could just like make a demo and put it online, like sell the digital files and not ha- actually have to press a record yeah. and waste. No, sorry, not waste money, but you know. No, from my perspective, Josh and I certainly wasted a lot of money <laughs> recording <Sure>. recording <laughs> a thousand CDs that we threw away about nine hundred of them. Yeah, for sure. And when I mean about, I mean I mean like nine hundred and thirty of them. I got one. Oh, hey, I sang on that, John. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, did a good job. <laughs> I guess. So, Alan, what do you uh, listen to now? Yeah, I find that I um, I go through periods where like because when I was like. A kind of a dumb punk kid getting into punk rock, I eschewed so much music that wasn't that. So I was just like, I have to focus on this thing and learn about this thing. So um, I tangentially would have like be interested in other stuff, but like as I've gotten older now, you know, I'm in my 40s, and I'm just like, you never got into Husker Du. Let's do this, and I'll go back and listen to stuff. And be like, okay, that's why that's good, and why people really dig it. Uh, recently, I've been on a big 
hip hop tear and a jazz tear, like going at the same time, sort of. So that's been really interesting. Spotify is suggesting a lot of ridiculous shit to me right mm-hmm. now. But like, it's it's pretty fun to like. <laughs> You know, I knew hip-hop in the 80s and 90s, but, like, as just radio music. I owned some of the records, but it was just stuff that I sort of, like, touched upon when it touched upon me on some level. So now I'm I'm going back and getting back into a lot of that stuff, and it's really it's really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so hip-hop has been a big thing for me right now. And then jazz is a thing that I've, like, it's such a huge genre that's somewhat impenetrable on some level if you don't like understand it so it's like oh hip-hop is like very visceral and jazz is like all right this is the intellectual pursuit side of this like the hip-hop is also very intellectual but like it's more accessible Mm. on some level so those are the two two journeys i've been doing i've really been this song by a uh lady mc out of new york named princess nokia Mm -hmm. called tomboy i highly recommend people check it out it's amazing. Okay. And ridiculous at the same time. <laughs> Josh, what are you up to? Into? Oh, geez. I, it's kind of sad. I don't listen to music as nearly as much as I used to, um, especially since I stopped working at a coffee shop where I, I had to play music. That always kind of had me seeking out music I could listen to and kind of find that very close edge of like, can I listen to hard music? publicly like what what makes the cut and stuff so i but i've been you know out of that job for almost a year now and i listen to podcasts and audiobooks mm-hmm. like about 90 percent of the time now so it's it's kind of sad i don't i can't think of the last new record i bought no, i did buy i i buy a lot of uh mp3s i i really want to support bands if they're around so i'll make it a point to go find some place where i could buy even a digital copy of a band's record i bought a, a band a record by this band called winnie who were actually on a video game that i played okay uh, they did a song for this uh <laughs> they did a song uh, for that game let it die mm. um and their song it i i got super obsessed with it they're a japanese band and they sound like they could be a 90s kind of like emo mm. band like that that poppy kind of it's it's pretty interesting i i'm not as i'm not into all the stuff on the record as much because it gets a little too poppy for me but some of the songs especially this song which i think is just called let it die is very moody and it's almost kind of like shoegazy a little bit Mm. in a way has like very ethereal vocals um so yeah i think that's like the last record that i bought and i can't even think of the last the record i bought before that but i i have a lot of old standbys that i go back to constantly um dio sure Dio, a, a shit Dio was Dio. A, another one of those bands where it was like Iron Maiden, where I was like, "This is so goofy." This guy's like talking, like what? And now I listen to, it, I was like, "Ah, I was such an asshole." I mean, I still am a little bit, but I really it's, was then. Yeah, Dio is very important for me. Um, I, I, I sort of had when I moved to Seattle five years ago. I was still pretty deep into my depression, and you know, my life had out my external life had mirrored a lot of what I was internally feeling. So I, I was feeling very nihilistic. I was listening to a lot of black metal and just kind of hating everything and, and really just being bummed. And, you know, I, I came out to Seattle and started kind of working on things in my life and figuring out like that I was living the way I was feeling and it didn't have to be that way. So I, I made a conscious choice like, okay, I'm going to get a blue denim jacket and I'm going to try to listen to metal that's like more positive in a way. And I think Dio is very important. There's a band I know all three of us deeply love called High Spirits. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. 
who's another band that like I whenever I'm feeling kind of sad I put them on and I just feel uplifted you know and so I, I have a lot of stuff like that that I listen to I listen to a lot of like new wave of British heavy metal stuff because it's very positive it's very rocking and it kind of gets me going and I, I you know I still I have no problem listening to the darker heavier stuff but it's balanced now which I think is where my brain is at sure you can only take so much leviathan in one day jeez <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but you could take a lot of riots swords and tequila <laughs> oh yeah over and over and over again they so, carried him through the fight it sounds like a party yeah yeah, yeah. what about you d-man mm. what are you listening to so there's a while do we where... call you d-man on this thing no oh okay please dear god no all right d-man what you've been listening to there was a while where i didn't listen to any music because my hearing got crazy like got bad because <laughs> i was listening to headphones and i would just like take my headphones off and my ears would be ringing and i was like oh mike i can't i can't listen to music anymore so i think it was i was just listening to it too loud yeah so i kind of slowed down I, I stopped buying new music i was i moved to california and then moved back i was tired of carrying all my records with me so i sold them all before i moved back here and i was just like oh i don't want to collect things anymore so i kind of just <laughs> stayed listening to the things that i was listening to but now I listen to, like, a couple things on rotation. High Spirits, uh, Ted Leo, Propagandi, like a weird mix of things. And, you know, I'll, I'll definitely listen to Dio here and there. Uh, Thin Lizzy is uh, oh yeah, always a good time. The best. The best. And uh, a bunch of... There's random times, periods where I will listen to a lot of weed metal. <laughs> I don't know why you 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 want to give some examples yeah, for the un- uninitiated yeah <laughs> so uh sleep bongzilla like just how is, electric wizard how is electric bongzilla wizard your band name <laughs> I, and every song is about weed and i am not a stoner and for some reason I'm just like fucking a dog this shit is it just and if you think about it an entire genre of music from one black sabbath song and it really is and it just keeps going and going and going, and people are finding like new ways to do things with it, based on like one groove. And I'm into it. I don't know why. It's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Like listening to Black Sabbath now and be like, oh yeah, this band, this band, and this band sprang directly from this fucking song. Yeah. Like, do do you ever notice that it's like, it's one facet of Black Sabbath that everybody latched onto. Like, yeah. no one's doing, like, their, like, weird avant-garde shit and, like, the poppy stuff that they started doing later on. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, bong, wow, 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 that's it. Like, that's the only yeah. thing anyone's wrong. And every time, every once in a while, like, a band like Yaw will be like, oh, maybe we'll get a, oh, no, we're not gonna do that. Okay, we'll come back to this thing then. You never, <laughs> you never heard that band that's, that just totally plays, uh, changes, uh, <laughs> Derivatives over and over again. I mean, what's what's the one Sabbath song that has like the like four minute conga breakdown in the middle? There's just like, there's like oh, Bill uh, Ward's like, I got this one, guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> Supernaut. Is it Supernaut? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then live, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. forty minute drum solo mm-hmm. in the middle, like that live at Asbury <laughs> Park one. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great. But yeah, you don't hear you don't hear like a uh, uh, you know Wino going out there and be like, oh yeah, here's fucking conga drums. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, I also uh, rarely go to shows anymore. Between the hearing and having a bum ankle, standing up at a show for two hours is just a really terrible experience. Yeah, but I have multiple concert tickets in my in my on my persons. 
uh, that I've purchased ahead of time to go see Dinosaur Jr. Uh, whom, whom you've seen a ton of times. Uh, not a ton. Like, maybe like three. Okay. Dinosaur Jr., Ted Leo, and Propagandi, who I'm very oh, excited shit. about. Um, yeah, so it's just weird, because I'm that. like, you know, the almost 40-year-old who's like, ooh, I live near the box office. I'm going to drive there to avoid service charges. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am, I would like one Dinosaur Jr. ticket, lady. And there we go. Not, and not to take up too much of your time with this, but like... Uh, I recently went and saw Nick Cave. I don't go to shows. Hardly. We buy tickets and then, like, night of, go, it's only 20 <laughs> bucks and just don't go. <laughs> but we went and saw Nick Cave yes. recently. Probably the best show I've ever been to. Wow. Like, unreal. And, like, you know, it, I cried multiple times during it and I, yeah. like, smiled so much and it was so good. Oh, my God. I it's like going it. to church. Yeah, yeah, for the, for the unreligiosities. Yeah. Yeah. I try to go to more comedy shows these days than than rock shows, personally. Okay, yeah. I like a seat. Oh, that was the beauty of the Nick Cave show. Oh. People would stand up and say, can you, can you not? Can you, please sit down. Because <laughs> it was just like the, a balcony of 40 plus. It was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think last year I went to more Lucha Libre shows than I did actually like <laughs> band shows. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, I went to a wrestling match yesterday, and I feel like I'm getting to that age where I'm getting back into wrestling again for the third time. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, And it keeps, like, knocking down a tier, right? Like, you're really into yeah, the yeah. WWE when you're a kid, and then you're like, I'm going to go see some EC dub shows yeah. <laughs> back in the day. And now I'm like, oh, it's too, it's too much. I know, uh, Chikara, the child-friendly <laughs> afternoon oh, yeah. shows. Into a family-friendly <laughs> wrestling environment. It's not weird that you don't have any kids, but you go to that one. It's fine. It's fine. My, my friend, Todd, who I go with, who I was in the band Fighting Dogs with, he has a child. And yes. so that's yeah, my excuse. Yeah, multiple childs. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's my excuse, and I, I'm sticking with it. All right. So, real quick. Alan, favorite band? Uh, favorite band? If you had to pick one. That's not fair. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's like Just, uh, Godspeed of Black Emperor, probably. But it's like mood specific, right? Like, right. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's I mean, some, impossible to pin it down. But Sometimes listening to Superhero by Bane is the thing that I have to, <laughs> like, I have to do at that point in time. Wow. Oh, no, this is a song yeah. about how, you know, he, he doesn't smoke and he's not a superhero because of it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so good. After school special, hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I would say, like, I mean, I have a Godspeed You Black Emperor tattoo. I was in multiple bands that tried to ape their style as much as possible. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I really love that stuff. Dennis, favorite band? One favorite band? It's a yeah. Miami Sound Machine, right? Um, Only with Gloria Stefan. Has there been? Sure. Not, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah beforehand. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Oh, have you, have you not recently read? Have you not recently? They got Dora Pesh to replace her, <laughs> didn't they? Who? <laughs> That one was for me. Uh, good job. <laughs> have you have you guys not recently read the uh, Gloria Stefan musical plot where they explain how she was introduced to the leader of the Miami Sound Machine? I think I'm my, sorry. my headphones went weird because yeah, it yeah. was just static for like thirty seconds. Uh-huh. You want to do that one again? The Gloria Stefan <laughs> musical. It's, it's not. I working. don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> I'm not going to go see it. I just was interested in what it was about. Um, no, Miami Sound Machine is not my. Bleh, Miami Sound Machine is not my favorite band. <laughs> oh no, no. Uh, although, come on, baby, come on, baby, do that conga is kind of great. That's right. 
And they were the band that was inspired by that Black Sabbath break. Exactly. <laughs> so much content. <laughs> so, going to see Dinosaur Jr., they've been consistently one of my favorite bands since the early 90s, so mm. that's pretty good. <sighs> going to see Propagandi, and I don't know, man. They were like, when I was into pop punk, they were really good, and now that I'm into like, kind of heavier, like, they're past like whatever they're doing now. Yeah, they're yeah, past yes. like three or four records. I think are phenomenal. Uh, aggressive thrash. Aggressive thrash <laughs> with like kind of noodly prog rock influences. Mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. stoked about it. So I can't wait to see them. Uh, so yeah, I don't listen to too much of the Cure anymore, so I can't say them. Oh, man, they're they're great Still. because you can go early Cure and it's like yeah. kind of poppy and nice. And then you can go disintegration and just, you know, lay in the bathtub for a little while. And then you come back up and Friday, you'll be in love too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could listen to pornography and just sit in the dark and scowl. And <laughs> oh, that, that album is a warm blanket for me. Like as sad as that is to say, like, it's just like, oh man, that just feels nice. I'm back in that again. Mm, that's good. That feels yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was like, I, I think during like the darkest period of my life, I lived with our friend Sal, and he said he always knew when I was in a really bad way because that record was playing. Yeah. And, yeah, I would just... That's that's their black metal record, I think. It just... Yeah. it's it's has that same kind of, like, sad hate to it. But, yeah. But, Dennis, you didn't really answer. Favorite band. Pick one. If, just pick one. Go. Go. Oh, it's Do not it. fair! Do it. Uh, Propagandi. All right. I don't think I don't know if that's true though. Okay, go ahead, Josh. Doctor Seattle, what do you got for me, Dennis? You had a week to think about this. You're acting like I know, and, and I couldn't pick. Yeah, this was sprung on me, dude. And I yeah. couldn't pick in that whole week. You can't ask me for a favorite. Well, then you tell me what your favorite band is. Yeah, Thin Lizzy, Doctor Seattle. Thin Lizzy, oh, that's a good Thin Lizzy, hands down. Oh, such a wide catalog, wide yeah. varied catalog for that band too. I love them so much, but there's some bad songs. So, oh yeah, there's no bad propaganda songs. songs. Oh, there's a lot of bad propaganda. Oh, touche. Uh, yeah. Oh, Scott I, does I, suck. You're right. I don't celebrate that song. I judge a band by how good their best songs are, not how bad their worst songs are. Mm. I think Gandhi said that. Yeah. Now I get... Okay, we're going to have to have another music episode in a couple months where I finally pick my favorite band. Oh, I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Fans of my episode get stoked. I'm coming back for that one. Coming back. Christmas time, 2018. <laughs> Yeah, All this right. is definitely a topic we could go on about for oh, yeah. hours and hours, but for oh, sure. Especially with all the like the dumb weird subgenres that you guys enjoy. Like yeah. You could definitely get deep on some stuff. I wanna know what dumb weird subgenres I enjoy. Uh well Third. you just talked about weed metal. You have a note that says absurd metal. Well that's what I meant, like Iron Maiden. Like where Ooh. I thought it was no, I I explained where I thought it was absurd. Mm-mm. Like uh, but now I love Mm-mm. it. Mm-mm. I love Iron Maiden. I do have a note that says ska, and I do have to admit that I... <sighs> do you like to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up? I listened to my, my Boston's Question the Answers today while I was cooking and washing dishes. <laughs> Dude, Devil's Night Out is a beast of a record, man. I also listened to two Red Hot Chili Peppers records back-to-back while I was scrubbing the floor a couple months ago. And I don't know what's worse about that statement. Was it I because listened. you wanted incentive to finish scrubbing the floor quicker? No, I was obviously not. There were two back-to-back records. Yeah, Yeah. it was Mother's Milk and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and I was really enjoying myself because I remembered all the words, and some of those songs are really, really absurd Mm -hmm. and fun and bad Mm -hmm. and problematic and good. 
<laughs> so you wanted to feel like a sexy Mexican maid is what happened there, right? I didn't want to feel like it. I just wanted to feel like what it was like to to know one. Subway to Venus? I want to take a subway to Venus. And yeah. I want to be on the LA Lakers. That's ridiculous. You wanted to be a funky monk? <laughs> I am a funky monk. I did not want to go under the bridge. And... <laughs> I always want to give it away. Oh, but once you find the soul to squeeze. Not on either of those records. That was on a single. It was on the Conehead soundtrack. It was on the Conehead soundtrack. (laughs) uh, And it's one of the best songs ever written. (laughs) All right, this has been our uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan cast. But I do want to say, hold on, for the record, I also said earlier today that Lauren Hill's uh, doo-wop, That Thing, is one of the best songs ever written. Sure. I'll back you up on that. I just want to, you know, I really run, uh, I we're going to have an episode where I actually have, and the, Alan, this will be for you too, I actually have my top 50 favorite songs written down. <laughs> Please bring me back for that. I will. <laughs> oh, God. We'll just, just comment on everyone. Alan and I worked together, and for a while I just said uh, every song that I liked was top 50 best songs ever. Yeah, your uh, <laughs> top five movies of all time is what, like 35, 40 movies long? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Josh worked there too. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. We worked together for a month. Yeah. It was we, a great time. Yeah. We did a lot of stuff together, guys. And here we are, back again. Oh, Twelve man. years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've thought? been gone for I've been out of Philly for ten years now. We miss you here. I know, that's why you guys are all moving to Pittsburgh, right? Uh yeah. We'll see hey. Next time from Pittsburgh. That we're moving that fast? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just going to be a I while. I need to go talk to Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Alan, thanks yeah. for um, visiting with us and talking to us about your favorite music and reminding us of our friendships together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, Werewolf Ambulance. Werewolf Ambulance. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. That's probably the easiest way. Or on uh, iTunes. Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Same deal. Facebook and iTunes would be great. And then if you have any questions for Josh and I, it's joshanddennis at gmail.com. And we're going to have, by the time this episode is out, we will have a Facebook page that will still probably have nothing on it. And that's Dennis with one N, by the way. Oh, thank you. I hope they knew by now. (laughs) It's Alan with three. Three N's? Yeah. Good to know. Interspersed throughout the name. Weird. Yeah, it's Gaelic. It's avant-garde. Hey, Josh. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I guess this is about all the time we have for this call, so. (laughs) I love you both. (laughs) I love you too, Alan. And Dennis, I love you. Yes. Goodbye. That's how you should end this thing. Thanks for listening to another episode of Best Friend Simulator. Send us an email at joshanddennis at gmail.com. That's Dennis with one N. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Friend Simulator. And thanks to Alan for the theme music. Listen to his podcast, Werewolf Ambulance, and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Also, thanks to Justin for the artwork. See more of his stuff at burntobuild.com. That's all the time we have for this outro. Bye. Bye.